Hello, sexies. You are listening to Sisters of Sexuality, Five Shades of Play, and I am Taylor Sparks, your host and sex goddess for the evening. We are here for the purposes of educating, entertaining, and informing you in all areas of sexuality, sexual health, kink, relationships, and the business of sex. I am so excited, as I am most every week, to welcome our guest. But today, I have a I have two amazing guests, but before I bring them on, let me tell you a little about them. Kenya K. Stevens is a relationship expert, love coach, best-selling author, wife and mother of three, and CEO at Progressive Love Academy Online. Kenya attended Howard University in Washington, D.C., where she graduated in 1997 with a degree in education and child psychology. Kenya works with clients to divorce-proof their marriages, and support them in transitions from monogamy to polyamory. Kenya has been married for 27 years to Carl Stevens and 10 years to her second husband, Tiger Moonstone. Sanu Stevens is the daughter of Colin Kenya Stevens and a certified relationship coach and polyamory specialist. Sanu works primarily with men, supporting men in working through trauma and past pain to emerge victorious in all their relationships. Sanu supports men in telling the truth, standing in their power, and explaining polyamory to the women they love. Ladies, welcome to the show. Thank you. This is wonderful. How are you, Taylor? Girl, I am just good. I woke up this morning, so that just that just makes everything um, like really better because you know so many people didn't wake up this morning after last night. So I'm well, like, you look gorgeous. Mexico's treating you right. We we see that. Mexico's good, you know, and I, you know, I had, a, I had an amazing love bomb last night from a, a very special friend who decided to fly all the way to Cancun to visit me. So all that glow, I'm going to contribute to him. Oh, it's, it's, it's given. We see the glow. <laughs> and some good makeup, you know, and some good makeup and some amazing lighting. But Mexico is, is wonderful. So ladies, I am, you know, Kenny, you and I had spoke before. In the podcast, I have been a fan of yours since Juju Mama, and I think the very first time I had ever saw you was on with Dr. Phil. Oh, right. Yeah, Dr. Phil show, 2011. Was it 2011? I have been, and I'm like, ooh, what you say? Tell him, girl. And I knew nothing about polyamory at the time, but I loved your fire, and I love the fact that you stood um, for what you talked about, and you were not going to be shooketh by Dr. Phil, anybody else with their damn titles. You're like, listen, I'm telling you that I know what I know. And you don't know what I know because you don't do what I do. And I was like, I love this woman. I love this woman. So 26 years, 27 years married. Yes. And I think I asked you this before, but for some of our new listeners who may not, although they had to be living on their rock to not know who you are, how did you decide to, whose idea was it to even open the relationship or to, you know, who, between you and Carl, who was first uh, introduced to polyamory? Or was it a mutual thing that kind of happened at the same time? Well, no, I think um, around year four, I was pregnant with Sanu, actually. Sanu, I don't think you know this story, but I was pregnant with Sanu and I completely fell in love with another man. Now, I wasn't having sex with him, but I was hanging out in a community space and I just got a feeling of orgasm every time I hugged him. And I just started dreaming about him and everything. But my marriage counselors told me I had to drop it. 
Mm. All right. So several years later, my husband had the same experience with a woman at work and he told me about it and I did not want him to drop it. You know, I said, we cannot drop these things. It's impossible. So we talked about it, but he was thinking that we should do polygyny where he gets to have all a harem of women and I'm just one of the many monogamous women to him. And so I said, well, that's not going to work. You know, I'm from Detroit. I'm black. You know, I'm not. We're not black. <laughs> I said, what we need to do is if we're going to do that, both do it. We didn't know about polyamory, but mm -hmm. I just thought what's fair is fair. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's how our conversation started that lasted two years. It was a two year conversation after that point before we opened our marriage. Okay. Okay. And so would you say that the transition was considering you didn't know much about polyamory, would you say it was smooth? Would you say it had its, you know, expected bumps when you're transitioning from something that you were, you know, brought up with what you decide to do by default as, a, as opposed and, but you were willing to stick with it. Yeah, it was not smooth at all. I mean, <laughs> it was bumpy. It was rough. And we realized that monogamy had been um, housing all of these insecurities, fears, jealousies, really anger stuff. Um, monogamy was housing it and we didn't have to deal with it under monogamy. But once we blew the roof off, then all of our conditionings and all of those fears came out and we had to develop tools to deal with those or else we would have killed each other. Girl, <laughs> we're not going to talk. Our children, our children were too young at that time to go without parents. So, right. <laughs> so you, yeah. <laughs> that reminds me, too many people don't realize you, we are still married and you're alive because of these damn babies, because otherwise <laughs> I killed you in your sleep. That's right. I mean, babies helped us and Sanu and all of three of our children were with us every step of the way. And we really did work it out and develop these tools so that we could go into polyamory smoothly, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so bringing the children into this. So, so, so by the time you got to your two years transitioning, Sanu was two or almost two. What, what number child are you Sanu? First, second, third? Sanu is a middle baby and she's on mute for some reason, but she is, go ahead Sanu. Yeah. Hey, sorry. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm the middle child. So my, there's my younger brother, my older brother. Mm -hmm. What, uh, do you remember anything about polyamory when you were younger or was it, were you introduced when you were, you know, maybe a little bit older and more able to understand relationships? Sanu. Yeah. Like not a concept I could really grasp, um, until later in life. So I think when I started to really understand it, um, probably was more like 12, 13. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what was the conversation that your parents had with you regarding relation monogamy, ethical non-monogamy, ethical monogamy and ethical non-monogamy? Right. I, you know, when I think about it, I can't really recall like an exact, like the talk kind of conversation mm -hmm. that we had. Um, I just remember that they kind of began as they were figuring out amongst themselves, you know, they kind of began to um, go on dates and I, we just noticed things like that. Or I remember one, uh, my mom's partners, we were at his house a lot and I saw the way they interacted. And then for me, it was never something that I questioned because like you said, I started when I was two. So it was never a thing of like, why is mom doing that? Why is dad doing that? 
um, I just saw them begin to be authentic about that, you know, just mm-hmm. by living it. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't recall, uh, Mom, was there a formal, con- I don't think there was a formal conversation that we had. No, I don't think there was a formal conversation because you all just grew up in it. It's mm-hmm. almost like do we have a formal conversation with our kids about monogamy. Well, me and your dad only have sex with each other. We're only, no, we don't. They just grow up in that. And that's what our children have the privilege of doing. Wonder, okay, so there was no, let's, you know, so you and Carla never said, let's have a conversation with the kids. They're like, they're just going to see what's happening. Just like anybody, any other child growing up in any other home with, and if they have, and if, and if at any point they have questions, we'll answer them. Yes. And they did start to have questions in their teenage years. And we answered all of those. Even their friends had questions. So I knew, do you remember your friends would come over the house and be like, so we saw your mom on Instagram. Like, how do you do this? Why are you doing why does she have a boyfriend and we would sit there and talk to their friends all day long about this stuff oh my god just like me at being a you know a sex educator i'm having the sex conversations with my my son actually wanted me to do a a, a workshop for his friends i'm like what why he's like because they don't have anyone to talk to they need to talk to someone i'm like i don't you don't think that's a little weird he's like no <laughs> i think we should you know get all my friends together and i'm like i i don't know so <laughs> so Sanu, what, when questions did come, come up for you, what were, do you remember what some of the first initial questions were that you had for your mom and or dad? Um, I don't, I, I can't lie. Like, I don't recall. Like the main questions were stuff like, are your parents married? Like I, I, whenever I say like my mom, my dad and like my mom's boyfriend then I'd be like oh your mom has a boyfriend like what is that are they are your parents divorced living in the same house still you know what's the deal so they would just be trying to understand you know what the arrangement is um but yeah it, I, honestly it wasn't a lot of questions it was a lot of like why well, like mom said well I saw your mom on Instagram I remember there's one picture in particular I was in math class and one of the one of my peers showed it to me this was not a friend this was just somebody I knew showed me the picture and it was mom in a bathtub with another man who wasn't my father and um I love you. he was like oh look at the, look what I found and I'm just like at this point you know I'm rolling my eyes like at, at, at the remarks I'm just like okay I mean yeah my mom is not monogamous my parents are in open marriage um, but yeah, in the beginning, it was much more like remarks, you know, these are kids who don't have, like you said, sex education. So any, any conversation is like remarkable about this. And it, I was actually educated many times. I got to talk like two, three times, you know what I'm saying? So it was never, I'm just like, whatever, you know, yeah, I think yeah. a lot of the reaction I got was just, these are kids who their parents are talking to them. They aren't being authentic with them. So they're projecting that onto me mm-hmm. and being what like, about- oh, look what I found. I being well, kids being kids, right? And but Sanu, what yeah. questions did you yourself have, through you know, as you were getting older and getting more understanding about polyamory? What questions did you have, like for your dad, and what questions, if any, did you have, you know, for your mom? Hmm. Yeah, I I guess I did start to kind of have questions about the dynamic I really can't lie I I I don't recall a lot of confusion Mm -hmm. because I think the questions come when you hide stuff Mm -hmm. and nothing was ever hidden any Mm -hmm. answer to a question I needed was right in front of my face you know what I'm saying so what what are mom and dad doing there was no behind closed doors everything was right communal it was communal (laughs) there's no question about what's happening here and how old are you now Sanu? 
I'm 22. You're 22. So as you started to date, and, and, and I asked this question because people in their closed minds tend to think that whatever your parents do, you somehow have to do as in, you know, you can't, like two gay people cannot raise a child because they're gonna make the child gay. If, that, if that's the case, then why can't straight parents make their gay children straight? So just because your parents are polyamory doesn't mean that you yourself wish to be or want to be polyamorous. So now that you're in your 20s or when you started dating in your teen, what did you decide was best for you? Well, at first, you know, I was very rebellious. I think just like any other child is who has a, there's a norm in their household. I was rebellious against it. I was like, I'm, I'm watching Disney movies. Like I see what's, what's supposed to be happening here. Where's my and that's prince? what I'm going to yeah like where's my I, I want the one prince charming and that looks good that's what i want to do so i was very rebellious i was like i'm, I'm gonna be normal you know mm-hmm. um and then i started dating and i i realized that the values in the house were different and as a mm. result the way that i approached dating was different when i had my first boyfriend in high school i realized that um when i started wanting another man like my mom did uh when when she was married i didn't have, have any shame around it so I didn't mm. feel bad about my desire for other people. And that made it very hard to be to stay monogamous because I think monogamy, I said this many times, I think it's contingent. I think shame is a component that keeps it together. Yes. Monogamy is kind of held together by many things, um, cultural values, you know, like religion and how you're supposed to conduct yourself sexually. But I think shame is a huge component of what holds it together, that when you're monogamous and you attracted to somebody else you feel bad about it immediately you say oh you know what's wrong with me and then it, it stops at the thought or the feeling yes i i almost wonder if if i uh, i know that it's okay to want somebody else yeah so um what i go ahead no no go ahead finish it i was just saying what i learned you know um is that what's really happening there is that a conversation needs to be had you know so I, I sat my boyfriend down with my mom um, and we, we talked about it and he was very upset. He was in full distress. But what I, I didn't, what I think most people don't realize is that you do get past that. You know, you do get past the, oh, you know, this is scary and I'm upset. And, you know, why do you, why do you want more than me? And you just get past that. It's just human emotion. Mm. I, you know, um, I, I got to ask this question because it's on my mind, but I'm going to come back to, to back to you some Kenya, how do you respond to the question when couples come to you and Carl for coaching, counseling, and the partner who wishes to open the relationship and become polyamorous or have an open relationship? Because this is the question I get for the, from couples is, why am I not enough? <laughs> is that the most common question you get? Because it's the most common one that I get. Why am I not enough? No, that's not the okay. most common question I get because I don't start couples with polyamory. So couples right. come to me, if they want to do polyamory, they're excited. I say, well, you're not ready. And so mm. we rewind back to authentic communication. Yes. Because authentic communication is a precursor to polyamory. And so if your partner can't say something authentically to you, like, I'm not interested in sex with you anymore. I don't know why but I don't feel it. I don't feel passion for you. If they can't say that without you saying, if you, if you can't hold space for an authentic conversation from your partner, you're not ready for polyamory. 
So the first thing I do for the first four weeks is take them through authentic communication practice via up-level communication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is, this is your uh, course. Was our book. We've written your book. books about all of our processes that we take couples through and up-level is the first stop. It's yes. just a new communication system. It helps you speak authentically. Everybody complains about my husband lying. My wife is lying. They lying. Everybody's lying. We were taught to lie. This whole culture is based on a lie. All we do is lie. We lie to the tax people. We lie to our teachers. We lie to the professors. We lie to our children. This is what the culture is. So you're not ready for polyamory if you're still living in lie land. Mm-hmm. And so that's the first thing that we do. Yeah. That and that and I, I hear you that that is the most important thing being authentically honest because people are and I've had conversations with my partners about not telling their partner the complete story. Like, you know, they're kind of holding, they're not lying, but they're not, because in their mind, they're like, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings. And I'm like, they're not, you know, a delicate flower. They're not going to fall to the floor and die because you say, you know, I want to go spend the weekend with Taylor, you know, or Mariposa. She's, you know, give her that opportunity to, to open and tell you how she feels and have the conversation. But if you don't ever have the conversation, how can you get past whatever? I'm going to send them back. I'm going to send them back happy and <laughs> fulfilled. We've got to make a delineation between honesty and authenticity. Yes. So what I believe in honesty. Honesty is a bullshit term. It means tell me what you've done with your genitals. That's all that honesty means. Authenticity means, listen, I don't feel like I want to tell you everything about this situation. And that's just where I am. I'm not ready to disclose something. That's authentic. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't owe you my business. Mm-hmm. I do owe you letting you know where I am authentically. I don't feel safe sharing my business with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's and- the, so yeah, we. I mean, we. These concepts have to really be authenticity is a big concept. So we. Right. Really slice it and dice it down to the bare bones. Right, and and so that also so that leads me to the difference between privacy and secrecy, which right. is a conversation I've had you know many times with you know it's a fine line as to what is private. And so, what is your your response to the differences between privacy and secrecy? Meaning that you have more than one partner, and so not telling your partner about that partner, well, that's secrecy, right? <laughs> You know, that, that, that's not a good damn thing. That's lying. That's secrecy. Privacy, you know, might be, you're not going to tell your one partner how much your other partner makes it, you know, and how much they got in the bank because that's their private information. But I would love your, your thoughts on privacy. It goes back to authenticity. It's just that my husband was authentic with me. Kenya, I'm not going to update you on my relationships. Kenya, I'm not, you're not going to know everybody that I'm in a relationship with. Mm-hmm. And so that's his authentic stance. Mm-hmm. In my couples, we don't do rules. We don't do protocol. We don't do all of that stuff. No. We do authentic communication and acceptance of where your partner is and where you are. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. And I have actually tried to explain that, that nobody belongs to to anybody and we feel as though our partners owe us something by having because we're demanding a certain amount of information so as your children started dating going back to the children and sanu as they started dating and and are your other two children are they feeling more monogamous and polyamorous they're still finding their way how are they faring 
My youngest son is 19 and he hasn't even, I think he's only had one date. He's never had a girlfriend. Yeah. He's very book focused. He doesn't do any, you know, uh, wayward activities, drugs, alcohol. All he does is work out and go to college. Yeah. My oldest son has a corporate job and he's in college and he has a, a partner who he's engaged to. Okay. <laughs> so the boys, you know, I, the jury's out, but my daughter is clearly out as polyamorous. Yeah, my my uh, son is 31 and he just got married to his long-term girlfriend last July. Oh my goodness. And they have they had opened uh, I I don't know what they're doing now, but they had once come to me and they had decided to open their relationship and then they gave me too much information. I'm like, I don't want to know that part. <laughs> I have to tell you that offline, but I'm like, why are you telling me these? Things? Well, you're a sex educator. You need to answer these questions. Yeah, yeah, I get it. It, it. it was interesting. So, so as you know, Sanu, since she is here and she can re respond to this as well. So as she started dating and, and, you know, how was that authentic conversation with the young man, you know, after the freak out, how did you feel as the mama, you know, saying to this young man that, this is what she, this is her choice. Well, I felt great because you know, I'm a loud mouth. Now I talk for a living. Now I have, I have showmanship, honey, and I know how to schmooze. So I help this young man understand that this is just human nature. Humans are not a monogamous species. Monogamous species only have sex when the female is in her fertile period. Now we know humans have sex all day long and they, whether the woman is fertile or not, but woman is fertile five days a month. Women have sex all month. So we have a lot of these facts that I showed him. I also gave him the book Sex at Dawn. I also gave him several of our lectures. We have 25,000 course hours of lectures online. Mm -hmm. so I started educating this young man and I know that he's better off for it today, 10 years later, you know. <laughs> wow. We had to educate him. That's really what's missing. The fear mm -hmm. comes from a lack of understanding of who we are. We've been miseducated about who we are as a species. Mm -hmm. Completely. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you talk about the, you know, the five days, the other days I talk about the, um, we have the ability and we, and the God given uh, ability of choice. Yes. So we can choose who to love, choose where we live, choose when to have sex. Um, God is clearly in the orgasms because <laughs> that's what you say when you have an orgasm, not unless you're with me. And then you say, Oh, goddess instead of, Oh God. <laughs> Off topic, off topic, but <laughs> it's oh goddess. How do you say oh goddess in Romanian? Anyway, so it is interesting that when I talk about having the choice and I, I refer to the mating of the wildebeest, yes. right? So once a year, the wildebeest travel a hundred miles across crocodile laden rivers to go mate. If you don't get no pussy, <laughs> You got to wait till next year. <laughs> yes. that, that's it. We don't have to do that. We actually have the choice of who we love and how many people we love. And I believe that love is infinite, but time is not because you can only love as many people as you have time for. Yes. Hmm. That's well, I don't buy into that. I mean, I don't believe that time and space are finite. I believe that they are infinite and time expands as you expand your desires. So yeah, and see, I, 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 yes and no, because there's only so many hours in a day and we still got to go to work and we still got to take care of children. That's the only reason why I say it's finite and when it comes to relationships, but 
I do believe that love expands and I'm going to go with you with time will expand for all the love that I need. And absolutely. We, go will, ahead do, we go will do that. So <laughs> how do you answer the question? Cause it's come to me as a woman, because of the patriarchy here in this country, how do you answer the country? Well, how are you dealing with so many men? You know, how are you emotionally able to deal? Uh, spiritually able to deal and Lord forbid physically able to deal with so many men as if we're just never getting out of the bed but anyway <laughs> oh gosh well I, I love dealing with men I mean first of all my placement with men is a little bit different probably and Sanu can speak to this as well because she has many men but my placement with men is a little different so I'm not placed as a quote-unquote say housewife you mm -hmm. understand I'm out of child bearing age uh, <laughs> i'm not planning to have children i'm not you know when when i was first married my first 10 years i was monogamous i had to be i had three children in a span of nine years you know i i was building my a foundation so i have a foundation with my husband that gave me a springboard to which now i have a safe space to land i can go out and be with another man so i built a safe space with another man now that gave me two springboards. I can build more. That's what I mean. Time expands, space expands. My possibilities expand with the more, uh, more connections that I have. It builds a network that's like a shield, a comfort for me. So mm -hmm. I can go out, you know, meet other men. I have boyfriends in Houston, mm -hmm. and it's just like I'm educating them. I'm, I'm supporting them with their partnerships. Um, I'm meeting their partners. We're doing business deals. Oh, we have lunch going on, breakfast. We meeting at the pool. You know, oh, we find out how we can help each other. It's building into my support. So mm -hmm. I don't I don't see it as like a drain. I see it as a buildup of chi, of power. And, and uh, love. Yeah. And love. It's a lot of love. And, and, and that's one of the, I'm like, who, who doesn't want more love in their life? I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, how would you not want more love and having more than one person love and support you and care for you and, 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 you know, love on you and like, who would not, and it can be exhausting trying to fulfill in my, in my opinion, trying to fulfill the needs of only this one person trying to be there everything i saw um you know april mason yes. she did, april, she was on a live and someone was saying i want a man like what's his name 21 keys 15 keys. oh my god the Savage? no keys 19 19 keys 19 keys and she was like you don't know nothing about this man you don't know his traumas you don't know his needs his wants his desires all you see is an image that he put he puts out there you don't even know if you're able to fulfill all of these needs, wants, and desires. And he may be the kind of man that needs three or four or five women to fulfill all of his needs. Are you ready for something like that? Mm -hmm. You know, so people are quick to be like, yeah, that's the one I want. Like you, you, you don't even know what you brought to bring, you know, what kind of Pandora's box you could possibly open uh, with, with someone. So Sanu, I understand that you yourself are doing coaching and that you are uh, more focused on men and healing them with their trauma. How, why was that your decision and why did you go towards men? That's a good question. Um, 
I had a male client that I, you know, had a great experience with. And what I realized was is as a coach, I really like to play the feminine role. Um, so I really want to encourage you. I really want to empower you to take action on your desires. And um, I've just found in my personal experience coaching women that, you know, they struggle a lot more with being just doing the masculine parts of, of getting what you want, which is like going out and getting it. You see what I'm mm. saying? Which is doing mm. the hard work, which is being accountable and fully responsible for your life and, and saying, you know what? I do own that everything that's happened thus far, all of my outcomes are my creation and they're my own. I've just found that men, especially black men, are more conditioned to take responsibility and often blame. So they already are ready to do the work. They already come to me ready, like, you know what? I've, I've failed in the past and it's fully my fault. And I say, you know, mm. well, it's for the first thing we unlearn is the fault and the blame and the shame, but they are ready to do the work. So I, I like working with men. And I also believe that the problem I was tackling, I could tackle faster working with men. So I was living in Atlanta when I started coaching and mm. uh, Atlanta has a, a, an epidemic, you know what I'm saying, of non-monogamous men who are not honest with their women. The, the ratio in Atlanta of men to women I'll say women to men is 16 to one women wow. to men. So there's 16 women for every one man. And this is, this counts men who are gay. who don't even, aren't even into women. Um, and so this, you have a huge problem with women who are sharing men and they don't know. Mm -hmm. And I was working with women at first to support them in their jealousy around this and accepting the reality of non-monogamous men but i figured well why not just work with the men in leading and managing their lives and making sure that they're they're being fair and ethical in their polyamory making sure all the women involved know you know what they're involved in and supporting these men and actually supporting their women you know what i'm saying why don't you yes. tell your woman that you have other women well because she's gonna spaz out on me she's gonna be emotional okay th this is a skill to be able to handle people's emotions women's emotions this is a masculine skill, weathering the storm, right? Mm. Um, so that that's something I really enjoy supporting men with is really learning to deal with the feminine. You become so powerful as a man when you change your relationship to her um, and start to be fully in integrity with her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This, this is, that is amazing. Are you working with men within a certain age group? Because you have the skill, obviously, to work with men much older. They don't have to be younger or within your age group. I mean, have you, you know, kind of been led towards a particular range of ages for men? Or you're open to talking to men of all ages or coaching men of all ages? I prefer talking to men who are established in their careers. And that could be any age. Sure. Um, but generally, like my, my, my clients tend to fall in the bracket of like, um, between 35 and 55 okay. uh, because these are men who are establishing their career, right? I don't believe that polyamory makes a lot of sense for you as a man when you haven't figured out, you know, your, your finances and your career and you're not established. I think if, while you're unestablished, while you're in that kind of limbo area, you should just be dating anyway. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You don't need yes. to be locking anything down. Uh, and a lot of male speakers, a lot of masculine empowerment speakers talk about that, that men need a period of dealing with their uh, getting themselves together and situated to even be able to support relationships, you know? Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I like to deal with men who are established. Yeah. I like that. Men who are established. We like established men. <laughs> we like established men. We like men who are successful and have the money. I'm like, look, this is expensive. You know, you're not, you're not managing anybody if you're not managing your money. 
Well, this, you're, this no, is, oh my God, say, say it again for the people in the back. <laughs> Nobody's uh, being managed. It, yeah. No, no, if you cannot manage yourself, don't come whining to me. And, you know, for years, and I, so part of me thinks that if I had to discover polyamory in my 20s, I probably never would have gotten married. I think I just would have had a bunch of commitment ceremonies, you know? Mm -hmm. And even still, I didn't get married till I was in my 30s, you know? Mm -hmm. And then we were married, in our 25 years, we were ethically monogamous for the first 12 years and we never had issues. But I, even when we got married, I said in our 30s, I was like, listen, we're, we're both grown here. If you have any extra time, energy, or money, I really don't give a shit what you do. But be responsible. But if you bring me home so much as a common cold, I'm going to kill you in your sleep. But I love you. Have fun now. But, <laughs> but it was never a concern about what time you come home. I'm like, you're an adult. If you go out and have to, in 25 years, that man spent the night out twice. He just, you know, but we were open. We did everything separate the first couple of years. And then we kind of backed into the swinging thing. And then like five years of the swinging thing, I discovered it was introduced to polyamory and kink from a couple at the same time. And I made the mistake of introducing polyamory to my husband when I was 800 miles away in Jamaica. I'm like, hey, I met this couple. I'm in love. He was like, wait, what? <laughs> We're going to be poly. He's like, what? We're doing what now? <laughs> Just That is not the way to do it, people. Don't text your partner to talk about you're in love with some couple. And then they were like, white. He's like, you don't even like white people. What are you doing? <laughs> it was not a good transition. It, yeah, I, absolutely. Do and my mom will tell you, mom will tell you, I mean, structure is essential to this lifestyle. People jump into it because they really want freedom. I, you know, I, a lot of people, I think, get into it as well, just like when how they get out of religion. Oh, you know, I, I thought about it finally, and I'm like, no, this is what I want. And they almost have some resentment toward monogamy. And so now they're like radically free and what people are calling relationship anarchists. And I say, look, like, especially to my male clients. They're like, well, why won't anybody join me in my anarchy? Because nobody <laughs> wants to be in chaos with you. Nobody wants to be within a chaos situation. You have to create structure and you can be free and frolic within that structure. You see mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I, I, I just had a new client. We, he just, we just joined my coaching and he was telling me, oh, you know, I, I said, okay, so what are, what's, your, what's your structure? Like, what is your goal? What are your objectives in polyamory? Well, freedom. I want everybody to feel good and happy. That's great. You know, that should be a that should be an outcome. That should be a byproduct. But what is your objective? Like, what are you working toward? So, when when you are telling people this, I'm polyamorous. I say, what does that mean? Well, that means I'm free. Come be free with me. People don't feel secure in that. No. That the the paradox is that this lifestyle requires structure. I would say more structure because monogamy structure is already laid out for you. Let you to be lazy within it. Yes, this requires more work, yes. more heavy lifting. Yeah, much more. Yeah. And, and, as, and as your mom, uh, as Kenya has said, you know, the authenticity and it can, it's a struggle for people to be authentic and authentically honest, not only with themselves, but surely with their partner, because in monogamy, you can be lazy. You never have to discuss shit in monogamy. You could be, I've known people, I knew a, <laughs> I knew a monogamous couple with a husband at year 15 told this woman, not only do I not love you, I've never loved you. I didn't want the first or the second child and don't want anything else to do with these teenagers. 
And I'm like, oh. well, how do you so say? I'm like, and you buried him where? <laughs> how do you exist or subsist for 15 years with somebody and you just don't? But people do because they're not authentic and they can't be, they cannot say, I don't want this. She got pregnant in college. Instead of him saying that, mm -hmm. I don't, I, I, listen, it was fun, had a good time. I didn't want this. Mm -hmm. Instead, he married her. Yeah. And then they went on to have another mm -hmm. child, but the whole time he never wanted this. So he had problems with his, constant problems with his weight. Oh yeah. And drinking, mm -hmm. because yeah. he was not being authentic. And just the amount of internal stress he was going through, and eventually, you know, he found someone else that gave him the strength, so to speak, to be authentic. And then, you know, the, the marriage was dissolved and as it should have been, cause I, I, she's good. Cause I'm like, he's buried where now? <laughs> Tell me where well, the body's I, buried. I could have divorce proof the marriage because they're, they're, they're going to be married cause they have kids. They're going to have to go to their wedding. They're going to have to go to their graduations. They're going to have to go to Christmas and holidays. It's, there's no divorce, but they need to learn how to subsist and they need to be no, learn a communication system that works. You know, exactly. That's, that's but that's for, I believe your system works with people who want it to work. It's not going to work with one person doesn't want it. Mm -mm, it works with mm. whether people want it or not, because if they are showing up to me and they are ready to sit there with their partner, that's what working means. Yeah. If but that's some, that's what they, if they show up to you, yeah. they want it. Yeah. But I'm saying, but he's not showing up. He's like, I don't want it to work. So I'm saying it only works. Any relationship only works when the people involved in a relationship want it to work, no matter how hard the struggle, you gotta want it to work. But once somebody checks out, you can't, other than you drugging them and bringing them to you, <laughs> and they wake up tied to the chair, and you're like, this is Kenya, and she's gonna save us, you know? <laughs> Kenya's like, say my We're name, you know? We're gonna make this work. We're gonna make this We're work. gonna make this work. But people have to be willing, <laughs> like I always say, I like willing, I like willing victims. Right. And I yeah. think that I think another piece of that is, is just fear. You know, mm. through, I've had to work through fear of one partner not wanting to talk to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm talking to their wife for four weeks and he's not present. Mm -hmm. Well, I have to be able to work into that and support this person in understanding what it is and absolving their fears and working through their objections or else we just say, well, I throw these people away. I'm not throwing any human away. No, I, no. And, yeah. and I think monogamy is very quick to throw the baby out with the bathwater yeah. because as soon as two things are wrong, you're like, fuck this and you throw the whole marriage away as opposed to, in my opinion, <laughs> is okay. So these two things we're not aligned with anymore. So we won't do those two things together, but all these other things we're still good in. So let's just keep this part right. and keep moving on down the road. We have a tool called the three-way mirror and it basically mm. supports couples in understanding that you are your partner. You may be looking at them and well, they're doing this and they're doing that. You're looking at a reflection of yourself and you're either seeing a reflection of your own patterns, your own proclivities or your own potentials. Okay. And so we support our clients. You, you cannot love somebody if you do not see yourself in them in everything that they do. Exactly. And so when a person won't come to me and the other partner will, I support that client in shifting their partner by shifting themselves. Yes. 
Mm -hmm. Bypass all of the traditional Western stops. Oh, yes. we can't do it. we're not on the same page. Oh, it's a mismatch. Oh, we're not compatible. Oh, they won't come. Bullshit. Right. Right. I have to go yes. Yes. <laughs> and that, and I'm, girl, thank you. Th thank you for the work that you do. <laughs> And you too, Sanu, you know, especially um, my friend, my good friend Paris, she does, you know, she does a lot of work with men as well. And she's like, these men, she said, I meet nothing but these amazing men and these women are having their challenges and these men are trying to figure it out. And, mm -hmm. you know, they come to her, it's like, they, they come to you, it's like, what can I do? And I do believe the healing starts within and not pointing yeah. at your partner like, well, you did and what you said and how come you did. And it's like, well, wait, wait, wait now. There's three sides to every story. There's his, there's hers, and then there's the truth. Because mm. ain't nobody fucking up all by them damn selves. I mean, you do get the occasional fuck up, right? I had one of those. I'm like, oh, he didn't fuck up one relationship. He fucked up two. We, he lost, you couldn't have divorce proof this one because he lost both wives. Oh, I could have. <laughs> no, I mean, he would have died in the process is what I'm saying. So you would not have, and I don't want, I don't want you to be an accessory to what had happened. I'm just trying to, I want you to stay alive for your, like, I don't want you like, can you help bury the bodies? <laughs> I supported my current husband, Tiger, with reuniting with his ex-wife. Oh, I mean, I help all of my partners. I believe it. All of their past relationships because you should be cool with everybody you've ever known. Why not? Yes. You yes. Like you don't like your reflection in them. What's the exactly. problem? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I support that kind of thing. I'm telling you, we go beyond traditional therapy. We've gone beyond the West. We bring in the indigenous practices. We're understanding things from a metaphysical standpoint and we know yes. that we're so it's nowhere to go away from yourself. Right. No matter where you go, there you are. So his ex-wife, he didn't like her. She cheated. We don't never want to talk to her. I said, yeah. <laughs> I said, he was doing the four-year-old thing. I didn't. Right. Don't do it. And now you can't make me. Well, but we did it. I didn't have to make them. It's it's metaphysical. So yes. I on me on the part of me yes. that is stance like that with something, and mm. I cleared that. Mm. That's going to clear that stance in anybody in my environment. Yes. Yeah. I love yeah. this. I love all of this. Oh my God. I could talk to you all for hours. And, and soon when you get down here to Cancun, we can have that drink and talk for hours and hours. <laughs> It'd be like, I feel like your mom and I would just be like that song, hours and hours and hours. Oh my God. I'll be back to Cancun. I came to Cancun with one of my lovers in September. And it was such an interesting trip. I was down there doing some healing work with him and he bowed out because he wasn't, he was feeling like, oh, this is scary. And I just held space. But then when he left, I met another man on the beach and we went to Isla. And we had- Ah, Isla Mujeres, yes. And we bike rode all the, the whole circle oh. of the island. Oh, well, I, you know, I have three bedrooms here. You, you, you know, bring, bring whomever you want. And then, I'll put the dogs in camp where they are right now. They go, they love camp. Like people are coming, you to go to camp. They're like, okay. I'm like, not, not that they had a choice, but it's a great dog camp. Cause my dogs are here with me. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm super proud of my daughter, Sanu, and I'm so and happy she that be. she does what she does. She is brilliant and magical and powerful. She and is, she's an accumulation, uh, uh, what's the word? Accumulation? Acclimation. Accumulate. 
she's you and your husband put together and then she added her own thing to it and you are brilliant you are an amazing young woman and i know your folks are proud of you and i i just adopted you as mine so i'm proud of you too <laughs> there's just nothing thank better you so than, much that means lots yes girl yes so um can you have something coming up you have an event coming up you know, we will be featured on TLC this March. You should watch us on Seeking Brother Husbands. And yes. that's going to be a six, uh, six episode series, episodic series starting in March 2023. Uh -huh. Events? No, everything's always popping up in my websites, progressiveloveacademy.com or uplevel.com. I mean, that's where it all happens. Well, perfect. Well, listen, it has been amazing having you both here on our show. It has been my honor to host you both. And listen, audience, you do want to stay in touch with them both and to stay in touch with Kenya. Progressive, her website is progressiveloveacademy.com. Uh, and also, I think your courses are progressive progressiveloveacademy.mkajabi.com slash uplevel. Her IG, Progressive Love Academy. All of these links will be on the show notes and um, uplevel communication and at Psalms. I love the Psalms. I love the Psalms. And to stay in touch with Sanu, Living Neater. That's what it says. Livingneater.com, Sanu. They can visit thepolyfairy.com. Ooh, I know you're her IG, uh, Sanu the Polyfairy, also, or thepolyfairy.com. And of course, to stay in touch with Sisters of Sexuality, our website is sistersofsexuality.com and on, on all IG. And our sister site who sponsors this is Organic Lovin'. And of course, if you like this episode, please leave a comment, like, subscribe, share, and support. And until next time, stay sexy. Bye-bye. Organic Lovin', for the bodies you love to love. How do people describe you? Are you curious, playful, maybe sensual? Adventurous. How about open-minded? The truth is, no matter who you are, Organic Lovin' has something to indulge your fantasies. We offer only organic, natural, and eco-friendly intimate body products, including vegan condoms, organic lubricants, body-safe sex toys, and sex-positive books. You won't find anything harmful in our products or toys. We also have a full range of other experiences including erotic seminars and exotic adult-only vacations. Receive our adult subscription box for a monthly sexual delight. Be educated, entertained, and informed. Organic Lovin'. For her, for him, for you, for the bodies you love to love. Visit OrganicLovin.com. We offer shipping worldwide, so stop by the site anytime. Organic Lovin'. That's L-O-V-E-N.com.